Just being here, I, I, I feel your presence already, God. Your Holy Spirit is moving. Thank you for just being in our hearts and just moving upon us. Even, even though we're all at home or wherever are, we are and we're logging in, or even those of you who watch this later, the Spirit is moving, the, the Spirit is working in our hearts, and I sense that and it's connecting all of us right now. So connect us, Lord, to your word tonight. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit, God. May, may this not just be some speech I do, but may it be your word going forth as we try and study and understand, God, what it's saying. So speak to us. Anoint this time with your Holy Spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I came across these 10 property laws of the little toddler. Uh, 10 property laws of the toddler. Number one is this. If I like it, it's mine. Number two law for the toddler. If it's in my hand, it's mine. Number three, if I take it from you, it's mine. Number four, if, if, if I had it a little bit ago, it's mine. <laughs> Number five, if I'm building something, all the pieces are mine. Number six, if you are playing with something and you put it down, it's mine. It becomes mine. And lastly, number, or actually two more. Number seven, if I saw it first, it's mine. And I'm missing a couple here, but this is the last one. Number eight, if it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> I like that. We laugh because, well, we've been around little toddlers, right? We've seen this happen, right? But you know what? I've seen some adults that have never grown up and they still act like this. I know. Wives, you're elbowing your husband. Don't do that right now. No. Anyway, tonight we continue our study in Philippians. And in our passage, Paul encourages the believers to stay to growing in spiritual maturity. It's time now. It's time to grow up. And that's our title tonight. Time to grow up. We're going to be studying Philippians chapter 3 from verse 15 through 21. As we studying through Philippians verse by verse, we've come to 15 now. We're going to finish our chapter. So time to grow up. Philippians 3 from 15 to 21. And this is our outline to tonight. Think this way, number one. Number two, walk this way. And number three, look this way. So we have think this way, walk this way, and look this way. Well, let's begin here. Number one in our study, time to grow up, Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. Think this way. Think this way. Now take a look with me there. We're going to be covering two verses actually in this section. But first of all, we're going to look at verse 15. So Philippians 3, verse 15, it says, Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. And we'll stop right there. Now we begin with Paul writing, let those of us, and who is that? Believers. He's talking to and writing to the believers in the Philippian church. So believers in Jesus Christ. Then they are who are mature, who are grown up spiritually. They are to think this way. Think in what way? What is he talking about? Well, it's what Paul has just talked about. Remember last time, last week, Paul said, press on. That was the title of our message. In putting in a maximum effort to become all that Jesus destined you to be. What he's changing you into, what you're becoming. So the spiritually mature believer should share in that same goal that Paul had, that his life he, his goal was to become more like Christ. And so that's, that's the same goal with us in our life. 
that Paul held in those verses above. Remember, he talked about pressing on and becoming like Jesus. Pressing on and forgetting the past, reaching forward, right? Pressing on to stay the course all the way to the upper call into heaven. So Paul calls them believers to be mature in pressing on. Now the commentator, Steve Runge, he wrote about this phrase we find here in uh, verse 15 about where it says, uh, uh, let those of us, he wrote this. Instead of saying, do this, he uses the Greek equivalent equivalent (laughs) of let's do this. So he, it's not like he's ordering everyone, but he's saying, come on, guys, let's, let, let's continue on all together in this. And this is what he wants to put in the minds. This is the call to think this way. Believers must be concerned about growing in the Lord. So that's a thought here. That's why it's time to grow up. It's time to grow spiritually here. This is what Paul is trying to put forth to the believers as he talked about earlier to press on. Then he says in verse 15, and if in any of this you guys think otherwise, like if you don't really see this, Paul's like, you know what? As true believers, God will reveal this to you. Why is that? Because if you really care about Jesus, and if you really care about seeking the truth in God, you know what? God's going to reveal this to you. God's going to show you this, that that's his plan. Remember, we talked about that many times in this book. We talked about in our studies in Philippians and even last week, that is, this is his plan. It's designed for us to grow and press on and become more like Christ. So he's saying, he's not saying like, hey, You'll find out the truth one day. No, he goes, you know what? If, 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 if you don't really understand this, you know what? Keep seeking God's truth and you will find that this is true. Because if you really seek God, then God will show you that this is what matters in life. Jesus, becoming like Jesus. Now, Proverbs 8, 17, and uh, I'll show you on the screen too. It says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me and that's our heart you guys that maybe we don't understand this fully right now but keep seeking god and you know what when you seek god you will find jesus and paul saying you're gonna see this you're gonna find god in this way so then paul goes on now in the next verse in our in this first section is verse 16 and in verse 16 he says here only let us hold true to what we have attained so in any case, Paul's saying, the important thing is to hold true. And that means to live accordingly or line up. And what do we hold true to? What do we live accordingly? What do we line up to? To what we have attained. So he's saying, hold to that level of maturity that you've made already. I like how the NLT puts this, and I think it's 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 perfect it really gives the essence of what paul is trying to say in its translation so the nlt puts it this way but we must hold on to the progress we have already made i like that paul's saying think this way have this attitude hold to that level of spiritual progress that you've made remember how paul said in verse 12 
It's not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. You can see that up in verse 12. Paul, Paul has not arrived spiritually. He's not morally perfect, we saw last time. Paul himself is saying, hey, I'm still growing spiritually. I'm still moving. I'm still becoming more Christ-like. I haven't arrived. And so, you know, he keeps pressing on. He keeps moving forward. But that also means we must not go backwards. In each level of maturity we reach, we don't want to go backwards. We, want, we don't want to digress. We want to maintain that point and then even continue to grow more and more. So here's the point Paul is making. Wherever you are in your spiritual progress, maintain it and grow, grow from there. Let me say it again. Wherever you are in your spiritual progress, maintain it and grow from there. I was, uh, as I talked to people on the phone, you know, during this time, and I was talking to someone the other day, actually a couple people were, we were kind of talking about this, and, and that, you know, in this stay-at-home order, um, you know, we're at home more, we're sitting more, we're maybe binge-watching some series or TV shows or watching more movies or whatever, but we tend to then, as we're home, snack more, Right? How many of you do that? Raise your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. God bless you. No. Well, you understand, right? Uh, we, we, we end up snacking a little more. Same as me, you know. And, and we were talking how, wow, yeah, you know, the staying home and everything not only you know, helps us see God more, but it helps us gain some weight too, right? And, and I see that. I see that in myself. And it seems all the gain I made in my diet disappeared, you know, like the gains in the stock market disappeared, right, recently. I went backwards. But I had decided, well, I didn't do too good today. So tomorrow I've decided to determine to get back and start to make progress and maintain, you know, get back to my weight, diet weight, and then maintain that, and then continue to do better. Well, that's what Paul is saying. Wherever you are in your spiritual progress, maintain that. Don't go backwards, but grow from there. See, whatever spiritual maturity you have progressed to, that should be now, listen, the new minimum standard. Right? If you've grown spiritually to this point, then that's your minimum standard. You shouldn't go backwards and digress here. That should be the new minimum standard. And then you continue to grow. And then you get a new minimum standard. You continue to grow as you grow closer to Christ. And that's your new minimum standard. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying wherever you are in your spiritual progress, that's your new minimum standard. And then grow from there. Continue to grow from there. So where are you spiritually? Are you even concerned where you are spiritually? I think throughout this time with this crisis and everything going on, the unknown about tomorrow, you know, the mayor's thinking and wrote today he might even extend the stay at home even to the end of May. The governor's kind of saying, well, we're going to release things a little by little, and the president wants to do it fast. And we still don't know what tomorrow's going to be. We don't know what next week is going to be. We don't know what next month is going to be. And during this time, God is getting our attention. Are we even concerned as He's calling out to us that He wants us to grow spiritually, even during this time? Or maybe you've gone backwards, you know, like we do with our diets, like I've done, you know. Maybe you need to turn around, get back to that place where you were, and then go forward. Maybe you've maintained that growing, but you've only done half of our point. You've maintained it, but you haven't progressed more. 
Well, it's time, you guys, wherever you are at, to change your lifestyle, to seek God more than ever, and to grow, to, to, to let God grow you during this time. Let Him speak to you. Let His Word come alive to you and show you the areas you need to change in. We need to make Jesus more important and grow and progress and move forward, not backwards during this time. I tell you, God is calling you and me tonight, wherever we're at, to grow up. To change our thinking, to have concern, to not just say, oh, I'm okay over here. To, to stay spiritual babies, yeah, always in your spiritual diapers now. No, God wants us to grow up, to start not just crawling, but walking. Not just walking, but running. Not just running, but leaping, jumping. God wants us to grow. It's now time to grow up. All right, well, let's move on to number two now, walk this way walk this way time to grow up number one think this way well now paul goes on to talk about how we need to walk this way now we're going to be covering verse 17 through 19 in this section and let's begin with this first verse verse 17 in our section verse 17 it says here brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So we'll stop right there. Just take this first verse. Now, Paul here asked the Philippian believers to be imitating me. We are to imitate Paul. The idea is to follow his example, to pattern our lives after him. Now, at first you might be thinking, oh, Paul, being a little prideful there, huh? But he isn't. He's not saying this. Paul is saying, you know, pattern your life after me in the way God has worked in my life. That's what he's talking about. Remember earlier in chapter 3, Paul showed how he relied on his own works, his accomplishments, his achievements, and he thought that's what mattered in life. He thought that's what God cared about. He thought that's what made him a man of God, but he was wrong. That's not what even mattered to God. What, what, what he saw, that that was so wrong, but because it's all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus has done in his life. He's like nothing. All of his works, they're nothing. But, but Jesus, he's the one that makes him everything. So, in other words, Paul's saying, don't make the same mistake, but find your purpose, find your strength, find Jesus in you. Find everything in knowing Jesus. So don't make the same mistake I have, so imitate me on how God has helped me. Now, they are also to follow those who walk according to the same example found in us, which speaks of Paul, and we already mentioned Timothy, Epaphroditus, you know, those leaders and helpers around Paul. So he's like, you know, look at all of us. Imitate us. Look, pattern your life after us that, you know, we tried, you know, I tried to make it about me and all my achievements, but you know what, that doesn't work. It's about Jesus in my life. So the Philippian believers are to pattern their lives like how Paul and the others found grace and strength to live every day in the Lord. That's the idea here. They are to walk this way, our heading, this way with the Lord, like how Paul found that. So he's not being proudful, prideful here. No, he, he's actually saying, no, look, I, look, I'm not perfect. Look, I messed up, but I found strength and grace in the Lord. I like what the study note in MacArthur uh, 
in the MacArthur Bible, it said about in this verse, it said this, since all believers are imperfect, they need examples of less imperfect people who know how to deal with imperfection. <laughs> I love that. And then the, the note said, and who can model the process of pursuing the goal of Christ's likenessness? Paul was that model. So you see, Paul's not being proudful here. When he says, pattern your life after me, imitate me, follow our example, he's saying the opposite. He's saying, look, I mean, God could take me and do this, so, you know, follow after me. See how the Lord worked in my life. I mean, uh, uh, look at how, how Paul in the Bible confesses, like, his own imperfection or inadequacies. In uh, 55 AD, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. We'll put it on the screen for you. He said, for I am the least of the apostles. You see, the least? I'm, I'm the bottom rung of all the apostles. And then he says, unworthy even to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So he felt like, who am I? I'm, I'm just on the bottom rung of these leaders and apostles and stuff. So that was in 55 AD. But then as time went on, you know what? He grew. Five years later, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, and this is just the first part. He says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. So he's understanding, and he's coming to this place of how much grace means in his life, God's strength, his grace, because he's the least of all the saints. And then you know what? His growth and humility is seen at the end of his life in 1 Timothy 1.15. He writes, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. So you understand, Paul's not saying, Oh, look at me, look how holy I am, look how perfect I am, you know, follow me, you know. Hey, no, he's not saying, he's saying, Look. I'm, I'm the worst of all sinners. And, but look how God worked in my life. And it was all because I gave and surrendered to Him. I followed Him. I relied on His power and His strength and grace. That's what He's saying. Follow that pattern. He's, he's saying, look, that follow me and how I found that. Found that. All right. Then Paul says, now next in verses 18 and 19, whose example not to follow. So take a look at verse 18 and 19 here verse 18 and 19 it says for many of whom i have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of christ their end is destruction their god is their belly and their glory and their shame with mindset on earthly things so in contrasting and it's trying to say look you know imitate us we're like nothing we're imperfect you know but look what god has done now he gives this example bad example of who not to follow so what he does is he basically exposes what the false teachers were like and i mentioned this before in our studies these are the judaizers remember those guys they 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 lead people astray really in their example they try and influence people and get people to try and follow them and go their way and remember it's not the first time he's mentioned this these these guys they would they would bring in right um circumcision you got to be circumcised you you got to follow the jewish rituals and that's these guys here so Paul's mentioning them, and notice he says, with tears he says, Paul's heartbroken on how these false teachers have actually ruined people's lives as they follow their pattern, and even 
I believe he has a heart for them as they are ruining themselves too. They are enemies of the cross, Paul says here. Why? By teaching in order to be saved, you've got to add these things to Jesus. You've got to add circumcision. You've got to add Jewish rituals. And they're enemies of the cross because this is going against what Jesus had done on the cross, the work that he did in dying for all of our sins. How sad to say, basically, they're saying, well, you know, yeah, Jesus is good. Yeah, he died on the cross for our sins. But, you know, it wasn't enough. You also got to be circumcised, then God will accept you. You also got to follow the Jewish rituals, and then you can go to heaven. So that's why they're enemies of the cross. And there is no true salvation with these guys. And we see this in the way, way they're characterized. Now, these guys are characterized in four ways. And we're going to see four characteristics of false teachers. That's what Paul lists here in the verse uh, verse 19 here. So these, these guys are characterized in four ways. Number one, their future destruction. Number two, they serve themselves, not God. Number three, they take pride in fleshly wins. And number four, they only have an earthly focus. So here's four characteristics of, of these false teachers. Take a look at number one, their future destruction. Now, the first part of verse 19 says their end is destruction. In other words, they will end up being punished in hell. That's what it is. They're going to be destroyed eternally. Well, Paul is saying that they are heading in the opposite direction of the believer. We're, we're, we're looking for that upward call, right? We're, we're looking to be in heaven. But you know what? They're heading to hell to hell and they're going to be punished in hell eternally that's what he's saying they're not saved here this is more like a it's not a, a finishing the race at the goal line this is more like a downward spiral you know it's kind of like you ever make paper airplanes you know and you 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 you, you make them real nice crease them really nice and fold them all up and then you have a nice point and you throw them and then it goes here and some of them you know the the paper's bent a little bit, so they go around and around, and they just spiral down and then crash. And then you pick them up, and the nose of their, the, the paper's all crushed and everything. And that, that, That's the spiritual ruin that they're really heading toward. It's a downward spiral of spiritually for these guys. Uh, they're headed for that destruction. Number two, Paul is here. They serve themselves, not God. Next, in verse 19, it says their God is their belly. In other words, their appetite is to satisfy their own pleasures, their own self-desires. They, they don't care about others, really. They only want to please themselves. The idea is these guys only focus is what? Me. It's all about me. Self-centered attitude. Uh, um, uh, they want to be in charge. They want to have the power. They want to have the following because it pleases them. And then they're into the money. They're into the things. They're into the, 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 those kinds of material things. Uh, you know what I was thinking? I think their favorite song is, It's All About Me. Or, you know, it's from, about Jesus is a song. Or, or, or they sing, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about me, it's all about me, yeah. You know, that, that's them. That's their whole attitude. You know, they, they love themselves. They worship themselves. All right, we come to number three, four characteristics of false teachers. Number three, Paul writes here, they take pride in fleshly wins. 
Now, this is important because Paul next says in verse 19 here in, in this third part, they said, and they glory in their shame. You, you know what that means? They take pride in what is shameful. It speaks of how proud they are with their degrees and look how perfect and great I am. And, the, and, and, and they're all proud about their achievements and how they follow the rituals and they've been circumcised and, well, I'm perfect. You know, they're perfect in their own eyes. But you know what that is fleshly wins. Remember earlier in chapter 3, that's what Paul is saying. Oh, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, the Hebrew Hebrews. I was, you know, to the, following the law, perfect, all this stuff. That was his, like, like badges, right? We, we talked about his trophies, and that's them. But their fleshly wins only shames them when there's no spiritual benefit to it all. They're nowhere. They're not closer to God. They're not even saved. Paul, right, who used to, who, who did the same thing. Remember earlier, right, uh, 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 he said, hey, in verse 8, these, all this stuff is rubbish or refuse or remember what the old King James calls it? Dung, right? So these guys, you know what they're like? They're like clapping for themselves. Think about this, like parents of a toddler who's potty training and makes it in the toilet. Good job on your poo-poo, you know. Oh, can I say that in the Bible study? Well, hey, Paul said dung, right? <laughs> so, right, that's what, they're like clapping, you know, for their own poo-poo, basically. Paul said, hey, th- th- they take pride in their fleshly wins. So four characteristics of false teachers, their future destruction, they serve themselves, not God, they take pride in fleshly wins. And number four, they only have an earthly focus. They only have an earthly focus. Finally, Paul writes, with mindset on earthly things. Their focus, their dependence is on earthly success and achievements. They're building basically treasures on the earth, successes on the earth, not investing in what matters in the eternal in heaven. You know what I think about? I think about how Moses, remember how he refused all the pleasures and treasures of Egypt? He gave up being a prince of Egypt. He was royalty. And he chose rather, Hebrews 11 tells us, right? He chose rather to suffer with the people of God, his people, the Jews, for eternal rewards. And certainly we know Moses' story. He has some great rewards in his faithfulness in serving God. That was way better for him than the riches and the position and everything he could have had as a royal in Egypt. So, In all of this, Paul is saying believers are not to walk this way. But here's here's the point here. Follow the example of the imperfect who rely on Jesus and not the alleged perfect ones who put confidence in themselves. I'll say it again. Follow the example of the imperfect who rely on Jesus and not the alleged perfect ones who put confidence in themselves. Be careful, you guys of your influences because that can easily you know get kind of pull you and you start walking in that way be careful of your influences you can easily follow even the rule you know we can it's easy for us to get into legalism not that we we, we shouldn't obey god i mean that's important but even obedience is part of our heart you know what we're doing inside what we what, what we're becoming uh, the, what we're becoming is evidence in our obedience that's what it's really about so be careful of your influences, especially those who like are into the rules and not really into 
hearing from God. You know, I want to share with you, I, was, uh, uh, I heard her name in a, a devotion recently, but I want to share to you a, um, about the missionary Gladys Award. She was a great missionary to China in the mid-1900s. She, she grew up in a family that faithfully attended church in London, England. And, you know, when she was 14 years old, she had to drop out of school to work to help uh, support the family. I mean, so she, doesn't, she didn't have education and, and, and all like a lot of people would have. Uh, she ended up working as a maid for a wealthy family, and in her employer's library were books on China. Now, the Lord had already stirred her hearts for China, when, and this was part of her process in being called. She would read these books, and, and she had even a greater desire to go there. But it wasn't until she was 28 years old she applied to go to China as a missionary with China Inland Mission. But when they went over application, they called her in for interview. You know what happened? They turned her down. You know what the board told her? They told her that, I don't, I don't think you have the capability to learn the Chinese language. How do you like that? And they also told her, you're too old. But that didn't stop her. With the leading of God and the burden on her heart, she went anyway. She got this one-way ticket to China, packed some food, a blanket, and this uh, famous orange coat she wore. It was a dangerous trip because war was going on in China at that time. But when she finally reached her destination, she went to help an aging missionary who had this inn that would provide a place to stay and food for uh, travelers. And she would, they would actually witness and share. Well, ended up, this aging missionary ended up uh, passing away. And Gladys Award a- uh, took over this inn. But God used Gladys, not only witness to many traveling Chinese, but the town in that city. There's a whole story with uh, binding the feet of, of, of girls to keep their feet small. And when China outlawed, outlawed that, she was actually tasked by the governor of that town to, to make sure people weren't doing that. But then she got to go door-to-door witnessing Christ. And she also opened up a orphanage and took in about 100 Chinese children, unwanted children, through this orphanage. Well, when the Japanese started dropping bombs in her town, she escaped, and she led the children. She couldn't, it was too dangerous to go on the road, so she led 100 children out through the mountains, uh, over the Yellow River, to the safe city of Xi'an. And amazing, she, she actually became famous for that. Amazing, though, story how God can use, how God, what God can do with one who is rejected by rules, yeah, to be a missionary. They, she didn't line up to their standard and what they were saying. And, but God, He was the one. He grew her. He changed her. He transformed her into uh, His servant. And you know what? I thought this was interesting. I just learned this. Hollywood even, well, I've seen this movie, but Hollywood even made a movie about her. Maybe you guys saw it. I remember seeing it. In 1958, it was played by Ingrid Bergman. It was called The End of Sixth Happiness. And interesting note that I, I recently found out, though the movie won like many awards, Gladys was actually shamed, kind of embarrassed for the inaccuracies, and he felt the love scene soiled the reputation. However, Ingrid Bergman, the actor who played her, was so moved by her role in the movie that she wanted to meet the missionary. And eventually, she flew to Taiwan where Gladys lived. But it was only to find out Gladys had passed away just a few days uh, right before that. Well, the story goes on to say that Ingrid 
fell down by the small woman's bed and wept, saying she was much uh, she was unworthy to play the life of such a woman of God. She recognized who Gladys had become. She recognized who this lady was in Jesus Christ. Catherine, uh, Gladys's co-worker, then had the opportunity to lead Ingrid Bergman through the Steps of Peace with God, that track, and showing her that Christ had died for her sins, and she received Jesus as her Savior. Twelve years later, in 1982, Ingrid died of cancer, and it said, Although her movie career had won her many accolades, Ingrid's greatest reward was receiving eternal life through Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? By this one lady, Gladys Aver, that was rejected. It wasn't so much her abilities and talents, or she, she had the rules or the standards, but it was who she was that changed uh, Ingrid Bergman, this woman of God. And what the missionary board was, who, who rejected, they based it on her ability, her appearance, but God knew what he was making her to be. And that's what Paul means by following the walk. And, and let me say this. I mentioned this last week. But let me say this. It's not so much about the doing, quote-unquote, but it's what you're becoming. That's what's important. See, spiritual maturity is when you focus not so much on that doing, but on becoming like Jesus. Sometimes we think of spiritual maturity as, well, I, I do this, I don't do that. I do this, I don't do that. And, and to a point, yeah, we understand we've got to obey the word. We've got to follow. And that's part of us controlling our flesh and, and, and following the Lord and his word. But it's all about becoming. Matter of fact, when you focus on becoming, you know what? Then the doing is a product of that. When you focus on becoming, the result is the doing comes out. Remember, we are new creations in Christ, and in that new creation, that's how we can follow God. We've been freed of our sins, no longer in bondage, so that gives us the ability to say no to sin and yes to God, to, to, to yield ourselves to be slaves of righteousness, not unrighteousness. So understand it. It's that becoming, understanding that becoming of who you are in Jesus, that brings out the doing. Listen, don't get caught up in, in following the example of those who are just into the doing part. And you know what I see? There are those who will judge you. They'll judge your actions. Um, they'll, 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 they'll criticize you because they're looking at the performance. They're, 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 that's the only criteria they, they look at because that's how they live their life. They don't look at what's going on in the heart. They don't understand about this becoming. They're very critical, judgmental. And the funny thing is, you know what? I've met a lot of legalistic people. They don't hold to the same standards to themselves even. That's what I've seen. But with God, it's about the heart and about growing in that and becoming more like Christ. Now, understand, I'm not accusing them and they're like false teachers. I'm not saying that. But they're acting like that. And we don't want to act like that either if we have that tendency. But we should not be focusing on the external, but the internal. That we all need to be becoming, becoming. So listen, be mature about your own growth in the Lord. Is your walk with God based more on doing or being, becoming? Let me explain. You know, I myself, I'm learning about this in my own battle with my own flesh, you know, my own temper and anger, and you can ask my wife about that, but no, don't ask her, I'll be embarrassed, but anyway, 
you know, there are certain things that, you know, can, can annoy me in life. Things that happen, you know, all that. And, and that they frustrate me. They annoy me. And, 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 you know, in one sense, I'm glad when, you know, I don't give in to the temper and I hold back the angry emotions. And I've grown to that point. You could say, you know, before, oh, I just give in, you know, but now I can hold it in. I can self-control there, you know, thank you, Holy Spirit, and that. So I've grown to that point. Um, There's more times of self-control than not, praise the Lord. But you know what? God wants me to grow more. Rather than being satisfied right there, oh, yeah, I'm holding back my emotion. You have these feelings, and you're fighting that, you know. God wants me... To grow more, rather than being satisfied with that, God is challenging me not just to be doing, like holding back my emotion, but to even not even have the flesh be bothered by it, to be, be to become more like Christ, to not even those fleshly emotions to rise up inside of me. You know, I I, I want to die to to what's that inside of me that what's bothering me you know i want to die to those things i mean it's my flesh anyway right for most of the time it's my own flesh my own self my own wants my needs my self-focus what i want right my expectations but i want to die to that and i want my will to be submitted and surrendered to christ jesus so in other words i want to grow to this point i want to go past that oh i'm holding it back but i want to go past to where the new rick in Jesus, it's no longer controlled by that old self, and I gotta keep it down. But I want to grow to the point where it's not even there, where it doesn't even phase me anyway, any anyway in that way. So I want to walk that way, and I believe this is what God is calling all of us to do. It's time to grow up in that. Don't just stay here like, oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm holding that back. Yeah, good. Praise the Lord, you grew to that point. Let's go farther and work on even the flesh that's still alive in there. No, it needs to be dead. It needs to die with Christ on the cross, and we need to live that new life. Anyway, let's go on now to number three. Look this way. Look this way. It's time to grow up. Think this way. Walk this way. Now, Paul, finally, in our last two verses of this chapter, he says, look this way. Take a look with me here now. Philippians Uh, Verse 20, we're going to cover both verses in this section, but just verse 20 right now. Verse 20, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Paul says, what they do is not what we are, basically. He's saying, our citizenship is heaven. We're to focus not on the earthly, like they do, but in contrast, on the heavenly, on the eternal things, That's what matters, he's saying. Our passport, so to speak, says we belong to God. We're citizens of heaven. And that's our finish line. That's our goal. That's our destination. That's what we focus on. So because of that, believers look for the coming of Jesus, as he says here in verse 20. The idea is, as followers of Christ, we belong to heaven where God is, and we look forward to the day when Jesus will bring us home. That's the direction believers look at. That's what we yearn for. We look this way, eyes toward heaven. Look this way. Now in John 14, uh, verses 1 through 3, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, take a look at verse 3. I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you long to be with Jesus? Don't you long for heaven? That's, that's what God is saying. You know, as children of God, that's where we belong. That's where our home is. You know, when I go on missions, trips and stuff, I'll tell you about day 11. Ten days is good, but day 11, between day, from day 11, I start to miss home. I start to miss the family. Day 12, I'm, 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 I'm getting more anxious. And then but day 14, I just want to go. And so that's that same yearning we should have for Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, we're not so much interested in the earthly things. You know what? Our citizenship is in heaven. We're looking for the day when Jesus comes for us. And then finally, look at verse 21. Verse 21. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So when that glorious day comes, when we finally go home to be in heaven, God will transform our bodies. He'll totally change us. Our lowly body, which means our weak and mortal bodies, will be changed into new bodies. It will be our glorified bodies, one that He has prepared, one that we will receive like His in the resurrection, and we'll finally have bodies that is fit for heaven. It, 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 it's made for heaven, right? Heaven is holy, pure, uh, where God lives. And so we cannot have the sinful flesh. So these glorious bodies are not prone to sin. These are the glory, glorified, sinless bodies in heaven. And oh, what a glorious day that, that will be. Amen. And it's all done by the same power and authority that will bring the world into submission. That's what he's saying at the end here. When Jesus comes to rule and reign as King and Lord, He's going to do that in our life. He's going to make that change. He has that power. So God will and has the power to transform and give believers a new body to live in heaven with Him. That's, that's the idea here. You know, I've been thinking lately and, and even in my prayer time, I've been really meditating and praying to the Lord on how uh, how God told Abraham, now in Genesis 17:1, he said, "I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless." And then the Lord went on to tell Abraham how he will give him many descendants, a nation, the nation will be Israel and they'll live in the promised land. But the Lord says, "Look, I am El Shaddai." And El Shaddai in the Hebrew means the Almighty God, the all-powerful God. God has the power to give believers a new sinless body made for, the, made for, for, for heaven and holiness and pureness, made for the holiness of heaven. Do you believe that? Do you believe in El Shaddai? I do, and I long for that day to be able to be with Jesus forever. My eyes lock to that day and look this way too that day so our final point is this set your eyes not on the things of earth but put your eyes on eternity set your eyes not on the things of earth but put your eyes on eternity you know back in february this um article came out about a christian pastor um he wrote this letter and he was a christian pastor in wuhan the starting right point of the coronavirus. Now, this pastor asked for prayer for this 
virus crisis was giving Chinese Christians in that city the opportunity to share Jesus and witness. Now, normally this would not be a safe thing to do, right? China's against really Christians. There's underground churches, and I'm sure he was an underground pastor there. And, but they're stepping out to bring hope to Jesus. And in this letter to uh, the China Source uh, Missionary Outreach, this is what the pastor wrote, and I want to share this with you. He, he wrote, Jesus has purchased peace for his followers through his death and resurrection. Through his power, he has conquered disease and death. Apart from the work of Jesus, we would be like the world and would be terrified of pestilence and lose hope in the face of death. Then he said this, But those who have trusted in Christ can rest secured in knowledge that uh, Wuhan's pestilence cannot separate us from the love of Christ. Amen? End of Romans 8, right? Yeah, we're back now. There's a little uh, cut here, but let me finish this. Then, he, then, then the uh, pastor said this, Therefore, Christ is with us as we face the pestilence in the city. The pestilence cannot harm us. If we die in pestilence, it is an opportunity to witness to Christ and even more to enter into His glory. You know what? That's spiritual maturity right there where the truth of salvation meets the crisis of the time. Faith and hope meets fear and panic and overcomes it because we know where we're going. We know we're citizens of heaven. We know who we are, and we look to eat the eternal, not, not what's here on earth. And so that's Paul too. He believes in that. So he's saying set your eyes not on things on the earth, but put your eyes on eternity. So you, child of God, Set your eyes on that same hope of eternity. No matter what you're facing right now, we're all struggling through things. No matter what stresses, no matter the worry you're feeling or the fear, no, God is in control. He's El Shaddai. He's the Lord God Almighty, the all-powerful one. And you know what? The all-powerful one is taking care of you. And no matter what you're facing because of this pandemic, God is your hope. Jesus loves you. He's there for you. Isaiah 26.3, last scripture here. Write this down. You, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's the way, you guys. This is the way to get through this. This is how we keep our mind this way and we walk this way and we look this way because we know who we are in Jesus and we're going to continue to grow in the Lord and grow in faith, grow in hope, grow in trust in Him. I'm going to close with this. There's an old hymn written by Helen H. Lemo. And the verses say this. I'm going to read to you the verses before I get to the chorus. The first verse says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. The second verse is, Through death into life everlasting he passed, and we follow him there. Or us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. And then the third verse says, 
His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. And guess what the chorus is? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So when you find yourself looking to Jesus more than uh, uh, yourself or anyone, when, then you're growing in maturity and faith. When you find yourself in the midst of crisis, you, you, still, you have peace, you have hope, you found love. You're growing in maturity and faith. And when you find yourself, no matter what's going on, that you yearn for Jesus more and more, no matter what the world offers, no matter what's pulling at you, you're growing in maturity and faith. So guys, let's all do that. I mean, I, I need to grow too. And, and I'm saying this to myself. Let's all do that even more than ever. Because right now is the time to grow up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word here, God. Thank you for the encouragement, God. Thank you for the hope that we have in you, Lord. Thank you for the example before us with Paul. And thank you that he's humble enough to say, hey, look, I messed up. Look, I I relied on the wrong things, but I found grace and strength in Jesus. I found what matters most is Jesus. And God, may we follow in those footsteps. May we follow in the footsteps of great missionaries like like Gladys Award and who who saw that it, it wasn't about rules and standards and and, and and legalism and stuff like that, but it's about becoming everything God wants us to be. And so, Lord, let us focus on that because I know when we focus on becoming, then the doing will follow. And Lord, let us not just focus on the doing because then we'll get legalistic. But when we focus on becoming, that's where the real change comes. So, Lord. By your grace, change us. By your strength, help us, Lord. And by your Holy Spirit, baptize us right now. I pray that you would fill every person, as we're praying right now, who's listening, who's joined in, who's connected, that as as we quiet down in our hearts and as we listen for you tonight, God, thank you, God, that you are in our lives, that you love us, that you died on a cross for our sins, and now we can have a relationship, and now we're freed of our sins, and now we can know you, and now we're citizens of heaven. So I pray for every person right now that your Holy Spirit right now would fill us to overflowing. Touch us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord. <laughs>